0: How about that? That's better. Yeah. Praise. All right. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning on this beautiful Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers that are here today. Thankful for all of our mothers. And my mom's watching. I love you, mom. Praying for you. Hope you get better. Uh, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses. 15 and 16, and it reads, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And uh, for the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to speak on redeem the time redeem the time let's pray and ask God to have his way today Lord Jesus thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy and bringing us back here once again to to hear from you from your word and I pray God that your spirit would move in this morning in both services and in the Sunday school classes God that your will would be done I ask you to anoint my lips of clay my mind to speak what you said. And to say it in the way that you want it to be said, God. Let me hide behind the cross, God. Let your word go forth and let it accomplish the purpose that you sent it to do. We know that it will not return void. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I also want to say congratulations to Braxton and Jessica on the wedding. I know a few of you were there. Enjoy the honeymoon, and to the pals, safe travels on the way home, we miss you guys, I'm sure you, they're relieved to have it over with. <laughs> it's funny, uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm really enjoying uh, the Bible reading, I mean I've been enjoying it all, but uh, this week we started, or was it last week, uh we started on the minor prophets, and it's kind of to me it's ironic that uh, uh, yesterday was Braxton and Jessica's uh, wedding because 26 years ago I was in Gateway. It's my second year in Gateway, and Jessica's dad, Brother Scott Graham, who if you've never heard him preach, next month you're going to be blessed, have a treat because he is a fantastic preacher. He's going to be here. He was the instructor for Minor Prophets class. And up until that time, I had not read much of the Minor Prophets. Uh, but that turned out to be probably my most favorite class that I took at Gateway. For one, just because the Minor Prophets are great books and Brother Graham was such an awesome teacher. And it sparked uh Uh, Just an interest that, you know, a lot of these prophets, what they call the minor prophets, because they're generally smaller, not that they're less important. Uh, A lot of people don't read those, you know, like we read the New Testament. But uh, there's a lot of good nuggets of truth and and things that we can glean from uh, the minor prophets. And uh, this week, today, we just finished reading Habakkuk, if you can put Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 up there. You know, I, I'm amazed that there are some people that try to say that uh, the Bible, the Word of God, of course we, we believe that it is the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God, that it's outdated and irrelevant, and I wonder if they've actually ever read it, if you want to know the truth, because as we read, I'm going to read from the New King James Version, Habakkuk chapter 1, says, The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Now if you didn't know that this was written over 2,000 years ago, this could have been written last week. (laughs) could have been written in our times because all of this that Habakkuk was complaining about that he was seeing happening in in the nation of Israel or Judah is happening in our days today. <laughs> it's like the wise man said, there's nothing new under the sun. Okay? And so if you've noticed... Uh, A theme in in the prophets that we've been reading is that the prophets, God rose them up, raised them up to warn his people and to try to get them to repent uh, of the idolatry and the wickedness and the sin that they were committing. They had strayed, strayed from him and weren't. Living by his word. And so God would take a man and raise him up to, to say, hey, you need to repent. All right? And if you don't repent, there's judgment that's going to come. And so sometimes they would heed the prophets. Uh, sometimes they wouldn't. And eventually, God did judge not only the, the ten northern tribes uh, of Israel, but Judah was judged when uh, Nebuchadnezzar came and, and destroyed Jerusalem and took them captive. And so we, re- we see that while God is a loving God, and He is a merciful God, He is also a holy God, and He is a God of judgment, that He does give man a time and a space to repent. And he will send warnings and prophets and preachers to say, Hey, you need to turn from your sins. You need to repent. You need to start seeking me. But after a while, if whoever it is, the nation or the people, if they refuse to listen and hearken to the message, then he will send judgment. You see, even though there are many different uh, families, cultures represented not only here in this church today, in Omaha and in the United States, people from many different backgrounds, Rich, poor, young, old, wealthy, not so wealthy, even though there are many differences among us, there is one thing that we all have in common and that we are all on equal footing. And that is the time that we're giving every day. The Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, worth billions of dollars. He's going to have the same amount of seconds and minutes and hours in this day that you and I have. All right? And so what we do with that time that we are given is going to determine not only What kind of life we live in this earth, but where we will spend eternity. And so I want to talk about today is we need to redeem the time. Because verse 16 it says, because the days are evil. Now, if Paul, who wrote this nearly 2,000 years ago, if the days were evil then, how much more Are the days evil now? And how much closer are we to the coming of the Lord than it was 2,000 years ago? Now, I am like Bishop. I do not necessarily believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. I believe that there are things that have to happen before that takes place. But at the same time, Even though, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Could be two years, could be ten years, could be twenty years. We don't know. But we also are not promised tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. The Bible says that our life here on earth is like a vapor. It's here and gone one day. And The psalmist said, Lord, teach us to number our days. And so if we were wise, we're going to realize that our life is is fragile. And it's just for a moment when you compare it to eternity. And so we need to make the best use of our time. When the Bible says to redeem the time, it means that we, it's literally to redeem means to buy back. But it means to seize, seize the time, the time. The Latin phrase carpe diem, I'm sure you've heard, seize the day. Make the most use of our time. While we have time here on earth, we need to make the best use of it. We don't need to take our time and our life for granted because none of us are promised tomorrow. we got to realize that we are going to have to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account of our words, our actions according to Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents how we've managed the money that he has entrusted us to us because life is about stewardship you see everything that we have is really belongs to God this air that i'm breathing is his air this water It says Fiji, but he's the one that made it. He said, all the gold is mine and all the silver is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything that we have belongs to God. We are just stewards, managers that he entrusts us and how we handle those things. Our time, our gifts, talents, our money is important. When it comes to in light of eternity. Someone once said what we do in life echoes in eternity. And so I've come here today to reach to someone. I don't know if you're here in this audience or if you're watching online that you need to redeem the time. You see, God said in, in Genesis chapter 6 when he was decided that man's wickedness was had gotten too much, too had gone too far. He said, "My spirit will not always strive with man." Time is our most valuable asset. Too many times, have you heard it said? Well, I'll, I'll get around to it. I'll, I'll get to that later. We can't take our time here on earth for granted, because. There is coming a day. If you read these prophets, one of the themes of the prophets is the day of the Lord. A lot of people don't preach about this. It's not popular to preach about that there is coming a day when God is going to have enough of all the wickedness and the sin. And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 that he's coming back in flaming fire to take vengeance. On those who do not know God and have not obeyed the gospel. says that the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. But that if we are of the light, we're not to be, it shouldn't take us by surprise. Because we should be living our lives knowing that that day is coming. We are to walk, verse 15 says, that we are to walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. In other words, we're to order our lives in a way that is conscientious of the fact that one day we are going to have to stand before him. All right? We don't know how much time we have. And so if we're wise, we're going to order our lives to Put our energy and our time and our money and our talents into things that are of eternal value. You know, we live in America in the 21st century and we have more leisure time than probably any other people in all of history. Now, I know there are some people here that you work more than a 40 hour 40 hours in a week. You know, I, I've had jobs where I worked 84 hours in a week. But, you know, for most of history up until about the last 100 or so years, common people like you and I would generally work from sunup to sundown six or seven days a week. You know? There wasn't a lot of time for extracurricular activities and so most people would spend every day working just to try to put food on the table and and clothes and shelter and so we as 21st century americans most of us are blessed we're blessed and we have a lot of free time on our hands some of us do and some more than others so we need to make we need to redeem that time (laughs) And I, I'm sorry, you know, maybe this message is just for me. You know, I'm a I'm, couple months, I'm going to be 50 years old and, and I'm, I, I, don't, I don't have time to go have a midlife crisis. I got two small kids, so I'm not going to be going and buying a sports car or anything like that, you know. But, you know, Socrates said, an unexamined life is not worth living. And every Sunday morning, as I drive here from Norfolk, at a certain time, I get this reminder on my phone of how much screen time I've had this week, and then I can go and look and see where. Okay, was that where, where? Where did I spend this time? And God's been dealing with me about redeem the time. I I feel a sense of urgency in my spirit. I don't know if you've noticed the last month or so, between Bishop's preaching and uh, Bishop Stoops when he was here, that the time for revival is now. (laughs) The time for revival is now. I've been hearing about revival as long as I can remember. But it's always been in the future. But I feel like the Spirit is saying that the time for revival is now. And whatever we're going to do for God, we need to be about his business now. You see, Jesus, even as a 12-year-old 12 12 boy, he realized that he had a limited amount of time. And when he was, his parents had lost him for three days, they found him in the temple. And they said, son, what, 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 what's going on? And he said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business Now, if you study the Gospels and you study the life of Jesus Christ, you will see that he never got in a hurry, but he never wasted time either. (laughs) He made the most of the time that he had on this earth, and he's our example. The Bible said, it says many times he would get up before daylight to pray, to seek the will of God. Sometimes he spent all night in prayer. Before he chose his disciples, the 12 disciples, he spent all night in prayer because he realized that he only had a limited amount of time and so he needed to make the best use of it. And so he needed to seek the will of God and how he should spend his time and who he should pour into. So as his children, we need to be redeeming our time what time we have. I don't know how much it is till he comes, but I also don't know how much time I have. I can't count the number of friends and classmates that I grew up with that are already passed on into eternity. Many in just the last year or so. You, I don't know if it's made national news. Um, I followed it because it, it happened in Louisiana about a month or or six weeks ago, something like that. But there was a, uh, it's called a lift boat. It's basically a small barge that has these, you probably know what I'm talking about, uh, these legs that uh, they, it goes out into the Gulf of Mexico, and then it, would get, it gets to an uh, oil platform. They, they jack these legs down into the, the bottom of the Gulf, and they, uh, and they do work on these uh, oil platforms. Well, there was a, a storm come, and the winds got high, and it uh, caused this lift boat to capsize. And I, I'm not sure. I think it was seven, maybe more, crewmen were lost. And uh, they, they, they finally, this last week, caught off the search for some of the bodies. But those men left to go to work. They didn't know that they would never come back and see their families. When those wives and those sons and those daughters said goodbye to those men, they didn't realize that they would never see them again. That's how life is. One phone call is all it takes to change your world forever. And so we have to redeem the time. Jesus said, I must do the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. You know, the windows of opportunity, opportunities only come along. Ever so often, and those windows of opportunity, they close quickly. You know, I can remember back in 2010, <laughs> reading about this thing called Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, that sounds pretty interesting. And they were talking about all this stuff, and I looked it up the other day, and in 2010, I think you could buy Bitcoin for like six cents. Today, it's like, it's 50-something thousand. I'm like, oh, man. But you can't live life in the rearview mirror. <laughs> but you also can't live life in the future. We have to look toward the future. We have to plan toward the future. But we have to live life in today, in the moment. All right, we have to take advantage of today because we don't know what tomorrow holds. I've got to take advantage while I'm still halfway healthy. Still got a little bit of strength and some energy. I need to do all I can do for the kingdom of God because I don't know what tomorrow holds. I need to redeem the time. Farmers understand this. They understand about they only have a certain amount of time. When it's planting season, we—I think we're—I don't know if we're at the end. I'm not. A, I wasn't not a farmer. Wasn't in FFA, but I know we just got through planting season, or we're at the end of planting season. And then when harvest season comes, they're not dilly dallying around. Okay. A lot of times, we'll be driving home from church, it's dark, and you'll see lights out in those fields, those combines, they're going. Because they know, I've only got a certain amount of time to get these crops in to harvest these crops. I don't know, like I said, I don't know when the Lord's coming back, but I know this. If there's an hourglass in heaven, there's fewer sands in that hourglass today than there was last year. carnal reference, but there was a soap opera, I don't know if it's still on, I don't know why they would even still have soap operas with social media, you know, because social media is real, and it's much more interesting than soap operas, but there was one called Days of Our Life, and at the beginning, it would have an hourglass, and it said, as sands in the hourglass, so are the days of our life. We got to redeem the time. Put Luke chapter 12 up there for me, please. Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21 says, He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I'm not here preaching against money. We got to have money to live. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money. But I want you to know that the Bible says called no man a fool, but God called this man a fool. The first mistake he made was thinking that material possessions and wealth had anything to do with his soul. And sometimes I think people in America think that material wealth and possession is a sign of God's blessing, and that's not necessarily true. Okay? It's okay to have money as long as you got some riches laid up in heaven. All right? Jesus said, Lay up your treasure in heaven because where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. And if your treasure's in heaven, then the moss and the rust can't corrupt it and thieves can't break through and steal. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but I read that where I think it's a third of all the money that's in circulation has been printed in the last year. I think our national debt has added like 7 million It's at 2720 one quarter of our debt has been added in the last year. Now I don't have a degree in economics or finance but I did take three economics classes and I do know that the more of something you have the less valuable it is. That what makes something valuable is its rarity. And these stimulus checks that they've been given out that everybody's all happy about. If you pay attention, your dollar don't go as far as it used to. Okay? Sooner or later something's gotta give. Like Dave Ramsey says, you can't get out of a hole by digging deeper. One day, I wish I would have brought up some money up here. That's going to fail. It's going to fail. The Bible says so. It says they're going to take their gold and silver and they're going to throw it in the street. Look at Venezuela. I don't know when it's going to happen, but one day it's going to happen. So where is our treasure? Are we redeeming the time? Are we putting our efforts, our time, our talents into things that are of eternal value? The second mistake that the rich man made was that he presumed or assumed that he had years left to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Last Saturday, as I was waiting on the Kentucky Derby to start, I was flipping, I like horse racing, I'm sorry. Uh, I think that's one of the greatest, I I think I like that more than football, and that's saying a lot. Uh. I was flipping through and Berkshire Hathaway was having their annual shareholders meeting. It was on Yahoo Finance or something. And I like, oh, let me see what, you know, Warren Buffett's got billions of dollars. I may want to listen to see, you know, may learn something, you know. And I think he's ninety years old and Charlie Munger, his partner's ninety something. And I could, you know, when a person, an old person starts getting you can see it hear it in their voice. Kinda of like my voice is getting right now, it's getting weak. And I was thinking, man, he spent all of his life just amassing all this wealth that he couldn't spend if he wanted to. And, I, and I'll give him credit. He said he's going to give most of it to charity. But pretty soon he's going to realize that he, he didn't redeem the time. That money, he's not going to carry it with him into eternity. Those pharaohs in Egypt, they took all that gold and they buried it with them. And then people came in and robbed those graves. There's someone here today. And you haven't given your life to God. I just want to encourage you. Isaiah 55. Verses 6 and 7, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Second Corinthians 6 and 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation. Have I secured thee? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. While you still have a chance, give your life to God. Call out to him. Repent of your sins and give your life to God. While there is still opportunity, while we're still in the dispensation of grace. Don't be like Felix in Acts chapter 24 where the Apostle Paul is standing before him. And it says in verse 25, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. He was convicted by Paul's preaching. The Spirit of God was dealing with his heart. But he answered and said, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. There's no record of Felix ever calling Paul back again or him ever giving his life to Jesus. There's never going to be a convenient time to die. But that's what Jesus calls us to do. You're either going to die twice so you can live once, Or if you live once, you're going to die twice. To the backslider, I would say, as Bishop said several weeks ago, it's time to come home. If you're not experiencing the famine now, pretty soon you're going to experience the famine. You don't belong in the pig pen. But the father has the fatted calf waiting. We're ready to throw a barbecue. Don't worry about what the elder brother says. What we have to do is with him. But it's time to come home. And to us, I would say, to all of us saints, we can't let the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, Get our distract us from what our purpose is. We can't let, as Jesus said, let our hearts be overcharged with surfeitness and surfeiting and drunkenness, and let that day come upon us unawares. Like I said, because it's going to come as a thief in the night. You can stand. I'm going to close with a poem. I'm sure some of you have have heard it before. It's by C.T. Stud, is called Only One Life. It goes, two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. A few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife. Pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone. Bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, Thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, 'twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. God, help us to redeem the time, God. Help us to live wisely, God. Help us to walk circumspectly, not as fools, God. Help us, God, to pray like we've never prayed before. To love like we've never loved before. To reach for souls like we've never reached before, God. We don't know how much time we have on this earth, but God, I pray right now that you will baptize us with a spirit, God, of urgency to do whatever we're going to do. We need to do it quickly, God. In Jesus' name, God. In Jesus' name, God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. If you want to pray, you can come and pray. If not, be back here at 1120.